Hello, I'm Tom Bloomer. I'm speaking to you from my home in Western Switzerland. And I've been asked to speak on the topic of the importance of Matthew 18, specifically the principles of reconciliation. I've been speaking on reconciliation with leadership since 1998, when I first gave my message on transactional transformational leadership. So that's been 25 years now. And I always have tried to take time for questions after I give that message. And the question that's most often asked is I've given it on every continent and around many countries over 25 years is, uh, what do I do if my leader doesn't listen to me? If I go to him and he doesn't listen to me. So that's what I want to kind of address briefly today and give you some resources to go deeper if you want to. First of all, as we as we think about this topic, three of the strongest and clearest words are given to us in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and it's interesting that when I did a Bible study on the word for authority in the New Testament, exousia, I was going to study it through the whole New Testament for a weekend I was given, giving on this topic. And I couldn't get through the book of Matthew. It was He had so much to say about authority. But I don't think it's an accident that his, his authority is one of his main subjects. He gives us three very clear and weighty principles on reconciliation. Um, and I'll just mention them briefly and let you get into the passages later. The first one is in Matthew 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, of course. And he says, if if you're going to put your take your offering to the Lord, and you remember your brother has something against you, just leave it. Don't even continue with the offering. But go and be reconciled with your brother. This is a very strong word. It's like the Lord is saying, I'm not interested in your prayers. I'm not interested in your intercession. I'm not interested in your serving nearly so much as I am interested in your reconciliation with your brother or sister. The second powerful word is in the in the Lord's Prayer itself, which is given just a chapter later in Matthew 6. And one of the phrases from that prayer is, forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive on those who trespass against us. In other words, we can ask for the Lord's forgiveness for our sins as much as we have forgiven others. And then in case that wasn't clear enough, at, at right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew repeats the principle in verses 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow, that is heavy. And so, but then, okay, those are two very clear words. But then the, the question is, well, how does this work? Well, that's why we're given Matthew 18. And of course, there are several important things going on in this chapter, but we're just going to look at the the reconciliation principles in uh, verses 15 through 20 of Matthew 18. And there, again, it's very clear. If your brother sins against you, 
Go and tell him about it between you and him alone. Just you two or her, of course. But what happens if he doesn't listen? Well, take one or two others with you. Go another time. What about if he doesn't listen? Then, then you take it to the church, the wider body that you are both part of. And as I have taught these principles and, and people have, have said, well, yeah, but I tried and that didn't work. What I often find is they have tried the first principle or maybe the first and the second step, but they haven't gone all the way through through with it. So we need to remember there are three steps here, and we are we are supposed to do all three. As I was preparing this message, I was remembering a book that we had as required reading in the early days of YWAM throughout the 70s. It was called Repentance, the Joy-Filled Life by a German woman of God named Basilea Schlink, a powerful, powerful intercessor. And she taught and practiced in her community there in Darmstadt in, in Germany that the one of the keys to a joy-filled life was repentance, was daily repentance and restitution. And I think we need to get back to this foundational principle, which was so important to us in our early days. And I call it repentance-based reconciliation. Because sometimes we get we get we get stopped. We do say, well, I'm I've confessed all my sins to the Lord. I, I'm okay, I'm at peace, but we haven't gone on through to reconcile with our brother or sister. Or there are others who are trying to reconcile, uh, but it's not based on repentance. We have lots of humanistic uh, teachings and practices now available to us about reconciliation. It's a big topic, as it should be, because there's so much conflict around and in the nations and even in the church, we should be thinking deeply about reconciliation. But if it's not based on repentance, then it's not going to last. So I would recommend that book to you. It's still in print. It's called Repentance, the Joy-Filled Life. I was also reminded of two other books that impacted me deeply starting about 10 years ago, made me very deeply when I realized I had a lot to learn about forgiveness. And one was from a guy named L. Gregory Jones. He's an African-American pastor from Chicago originally. And he wrote a book called Embodying Forgiveness. And he had, he had studied deeply the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor who was involved in the plot to assassinate Hitler, and who had thought very deeply about, about forgiveness before, as he got into this, this planning. Um, anyway, Gregory Jones gets into it and, and talks about how we have a very shallow understanding of forgiveness in the church. And we, we often leave out two major steps because we often try to push people into forgiveness too fast. And the first, one of the first steps is justice. People can't forgive until there's been some measure of justice in some way. And then the other principle is lament. We need to allow people time to lament because if they've been wrong, if they've been hurt, then there's a, a very big place in Scripture given over to lament, to mourning our loss, and sometimes a loss of fellowship. This is very clear throughout the Psalms. So I'd recommend that 
book to you where he he spells out forgiveness as a way of life. The other book that impacted me deeply back then was called um, uh, A Community Called Atonement. It's the name of the book. A Community Called Atonement by Scott McKnight, an American pastor. And he he says that we have not understood the depth and the breadth of of the work of Jesus on the cross, because when we think of atonement, we think, well, Jesus died to forgive my sins, which is true, of course, but he did he died to do, to do so much else. And so he has a very deep understanding of atonement, and he wanted his church to be marked by atonement, marked, marked by the life, the death, the resurrection, and ascension, the entire work of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I recommend that book to you. It's a whole program of what he calls missional practices of justice and fellowship in a church. <clears throat> He's on YouTube with that. And N.T. Wright, the British theologian, also has a wonderful, deep understanding of, of the atonement of Jesus. Let me close by saying that, as, as Francis Schaeffer said, Jesus gave the non-Christians the right to judge who he was by the level of love in our, in our communities. He said, by this they shall know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's a very powerful statement. And then the other one that I'll leave you to meditate on, as I have been meditating on this these last weeks, is the passage in Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, where where Paul writes to the Ephesians that Jesus died to kill the hostility between the two groups. Jesus died not just so we would be restored in fellowship to God, but that our, our fellowship one with another would be, would be restored. He shed his blood that we could walk in the light together. So let us, let us be thankful for the cost that was paid for us to be able to reconcile and to live out this repentance-based reconciliation, not just once or twice or in a meeting, but as a way of life. I need this. I need this. And I'm praying that we can all come to a deeper revelation of this as I have been working on for my need these last, these last few weeks. Praying for you. And I love you.